Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, you've already heard it a couple times, but today is the pinnacle of the vision casting phase for our capital stewardship campaign. Uh, it means it's the final sermon in the series, and it's Vision Sunday with a, with a meal to, to be had afterwards. Um, we actually planned for uh, you not to have to look at this pretty face too long in this service. We actually planned for John Hessel, um, our hired consultant, um, kind of the mind behind the entire campaign, to come and speak today and uh, to deliver the, the sermon. I got a call during, uh, yes, yesterday we had my, my grandfather's funeral in Kansas City, and uh, I got a call actually during that. I had to um, talk to him afterwards, and it seems that his wife is in the hospital, uh, and uh, so he's obviously with her, and that's exactly where he needs to be. And so um, we're definitely going to need to lift them up in prayer and, and be with uh, the Hessel family. They live in St. Louis. And so got that call yesterday, and uh, then this led to me making multiple calls throughout the rest of the day yesterday with Josh, and uh, Trent got involved, and, and Randy um, with the Advanced Commitment Director position. Uh, in between the funeral and the graveside, I was on the phone, and then um, immediately after the graveside on the way to the fellowship meal, I was on the phone trying to figure things out, and then after the fellowship meal, on my way back home, um, just trying to figure everything out and what this service would look like because of that. And uh, made it home about 9.30 last night to get pen to paper, working on the sermon. And, uh, and then what was it? Not 45 minutes later, I get a call from Pastor Trent. Um, uh, they got in a fight with a deer, rather their car did. And uh, I think the deer won, is that right? Yeah, well, the deer actually didn't really turn out all that good either. But... <laughs> It was a duel. Uh, regardless, um, and pray for the Crawfords too. Um, so I had to head back down to Cameron, pick them up, and got home a little after midnight last night to really put pen to paper on this sermon. And uh, so pray for the Crawfords, pray for the Hessels, pray for me here in the next few moments. Um, but you know what? I thank God for uh, his kindness to me that it happened to be this week, the week that I gained an hour <laughs> before Sunday's sermon. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. So, um, no, I, in all seriousness, I do want to open up this time as we go into God's word in a word of prayer that he would be with us, genuinely speaking now, that he, that he would be with us and that he would speak powerfully through his word and that he would be with the Hessel family, uh, wherever they may be in whatever might be the condition at this moment, uh, that he'd be with them. So would you join me in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for all your blessings that you give us. Lord, we don't deserve them, but you provide them so abundantly. So Lord, we just, we want to worship you in this moment. We want to worship you with our minds as we reflect on your word. We want to worship you with our hearts as the words start to stir up things within us. Lord, we want to worship you with all of our being, with our hands and our feet as we go out to live out what this word has to say. Lord, may you be worshiped in this place. Lord, I pray 
that in this time as we look at your word, that it would be transformative, not because I myself have any uh, power of transformation over any other person, or that I have any speech that might be persuasive, but Lord, I pray that the power of your word might reign, that the working of your Holy Spirit might be effectual to do incredible things in your people through the hearing of your word. And so we pray for that. We pray to that big end, and we trust you for it. We pray for the Hessel family right now, God, knowing that they were planning to be with us this morning, but uh, you had other plans, and we trust you in that. We trust your hand in that, that you are uh, sovereign and reigning over all situations. We pray for healing right now over John's wife. We pray that you would do a great work in, in their life and that they would, might be able to put all peace in your hands and, and find great comfort in your hands. We just pray, God, right now that you would be with all your people in this room and around the world, in hospital rooms, in whatever circumstances they might find themselves, be with your people this Sunday morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4. Um, and if you're using a pew Bible, if you're not sure where the book of Ecclesiastes is, that's okay. It's in the front end of the book, uh, page on the pew Bible, that is, page 478. We'll be looking at page 478, page 479. Now, the occasion that prompted this series, as you're turning there, let me talk a little bit. Um, the occasion that prompted this sermon series, this four-week series, I think many of you already know, is that we are working to build the Family Life Center, a Family Life Center. And I want to keep pushing from the front end through all of this that we are not giving towards a building, and if you are, please Stop. Don't give to a building. Instead, give towards the ministry, the vision of what it will do and what will happen in that building. Give to that. Give to that like the Kayleys and many others who have given testimonies. Don't give to brick and mortar. Give to the ministry of God and His people and what we can do with that brick and mortar. And so, I want to say that, and in this series, I hope and pray that um, the vision has been cast in different ways and from different angles, and ultimately, excitement will have been raised with God, within God's people about the expansion that we can see as God would bless our giving towards it. And this, this occasion that is the capital campaign for the Family Life Center also allows us to take some time to do a refresher on what giving really means and, and what, it's meant to, what it's meant to be in your, eye, your and I's lives. Like, what are we supposed to be doing when we're giving? So, it's a series on giving, financially, specifically, and it's not because, let me say this, it is not because our church is hurting or that it's evident that we need a refresher course on giving, right? It's not a passive-aggressive jab from the preacher, Okay? In fact, there are many churches where that kind of thing might need to take place, and our church, thank God, is not one of them. We're far from that. Our church um, is faithfully generous um, in a way that I'm continually blown away by. It's incredible, 
And I, I don't know if you know this, especially if you're like I and you've been raised up in this whole church. Maybe you don't know anything other than that, but I can tell you that is not the case in every church. It's just not. And so thank God for that here at our church. That's a characteristic of ours. But we still want our giving to be more than a physical act, don't we? More than just dropping money in a plate. And the reality is, is if we're not careful, we can still be generous, but it can still be just a physical act of dropping into the plate. Do you know that? You can do the right thing and it not be to the glory of God because you did it with the wrong motive. We can be an extremely generous church, but if it's not from the heart of wanting to do ministry, it might just be a physical act of routine and habit. We don't want that. Giving is meant to be so much more than a physical act. And so the four weeks um, of this series, then we want to talk about well, what is giving? What are we doing then? Let's look at the Word of God. What, what are we doing? And, and the first three weeks were the, firstly, giving is meant to be a joyful sacrifice. Kind of a bittersweet. It's a sacrifice and it hurts, but it brings joy to us, and, and giving is also meant to be an act of faith, right? Not just a blind th- throw from half court, hope it makes it, but, but a trust in the provision of God based on what we've already seen Him do in our lives. It's an act of faith moving forward, and as Pastor Trent talked about last week, meant, giving is meant to be uh, planting a seed, and sometimes you actually don't see that tree grow. Sometimes that's for generations far beyond you and I, and we just put it in the ground, and trust that it's going to be a shade tree for somebody down the road. It's planting a seed. Today I want to finish the series with talking about how giving is meant to be <clears throat> a collective effort. A collective effort. That, that is to say that your giving is meant not to be isolated, but meant to be communal with those around you. It's meant to be a, a community effort. And you know, Community in general was God's plan from the beginning, wasn't it? For you, for me. Community is God's plan for us. The first thing that God was dissatisfied with in the Bible <clears throat> is what? It is not good that man would be alone. Right? God wants us to be communal, and we know that continues on out of Genesis for the rest of and to today the story of God's people, because we can see all the different commands in the Word of God and how it's meant to be communally worked out, right? We are to stand against sin together and help each other stand against sin. Hebrews 3, we're meant to worship together. Colossians 3, we're meant to help the needy, but not alone, but together, corporately. Galatians 5, we're meant to live in harmony together, not live alone, isolated. Romans 12, we're meant to sing together the praises of God. We're meant to take care of one another, not just take care of number one, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're meant to confess our sins together. James chapter 5, not just live in and fight through sin alone. Or even meant to rally together when it comes to financial support of the ministry of God. It's not like we're meant to do all these great things together, but then whenever it comes to our wallet, we're kind of 
alone and away from everybody else. Even our finances are meant to be collective efforts. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where he's talking about the church of Macedonia. He's writing to the Corinthians, and he says, hey, I want to tell you about Corinthians, the Macedonians. And he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Listen to this. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflown in what? A wealth of generosity on their part. Did you see any singular pronouns there? I and me? I don't. I see a whole lot of we's and plurals, brothers, churches in Macedonia. Their abundance of joy. Their extreme poverty. Their part of wealth and generosity. You see, even our financial contribution to ministry and the work of God is meant to be a communal effort. You see, the only solo act in Christianity is the act done by God to make us the church in the first place. Everything after that is meant to be communal. The only solo act is the one that has saved you and brought you eternal relationship with God. And maybe you don't know what I'm talking about there. Maybe you're not familiar with that concept. It's like, what solo act? What are you like? Well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I never get sick of saying what Christ did for us. So let me take a second and tell you. The solo act that I'm talking about, the only solo act in Christianity is that Christ, knowing your condition, my condition of sin, and thus being separated from our Creator, the one who loves us, that we have betrayed in choosing ourselves over Him, Christ knew that, and He would come, and He would live the life that you could never live, the perfect life, the life without flaw or blemish. He he lived it to where He would be perfectly acceptable before God, and then He swapped places with you. And He got up on the cross, and He bore the punishment for the sins that you've committed and are committing today and will commit tomorrow, so that though He's seen as you on the cross, you are seen as Him, perfect in the sight of God, that you could have eternity with God. So the only solo act going on here And Christianity is the one that saved you. You can't do anything to make that happen. You can't contribute to that. There's no we and our part and their part in salvation. It's only his part. And from that point on, it's then, okay, we. Okay, us. Meaning his saved people. We're even described as one unit multiple times throughout the Word of God. We are many bricks to one big house, one big temple, 1 Peter chapter 2. Sarah watches this show, and I glance at it from time to time um, when I'm walking through the room. It's called Heartland. Anyone ever heard of Heartland? It's a wholesome ranch show. I don't know. I don't know much, much about it. But there's a part where whenever you're at, there's some, some episode that I noticed, and it stuck with me, is uh, someone had just been brought into the family. I don't know who or how. They're brought into the family, 
And they said, hey, well, whenever you join the family, you get to pick out a, a brick in the, I think it was actually a rock fireplace. You get to pick out a rock and say, that's your rock in the fireplace. And so they said, well, okay, all right. They walked over and they said, is this rock taken? I said, no, that, one, that one's not taken. You can be that rock. I said, okay, well, that's my rock. Everyone had a rock in the fireplace. And so it is in the family of God. We are one big temple and everybody has a stone. You are a part of the big picture here. And that means to say, please hear this, there simply can't be a, well, I've done my part. You never stop being a brick in the wall. You never stop being a stone in the temple. You haven't finished doing your part. None of us have. None of us will. We are always a part of it. Not only are we one stone in a temple, but we're one part of a full body. We're one member of, whether you be the hand or the arm or the foot, of the entire body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that. And there's never a time when the body stops needing any of its members. Every member is always needed. So, all that to say, I want to turn to first Ecclesiastes 4, and we'll go very quickly through it. Are you there? Ecclesiastes 4. I set the groundwork. This is what it says. Let me read it, and we'll go through it. Ecclesiastes 4, I want to read verses 9 through 12. Short passage. It says, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And then the common phrase, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That passage was read yesterday at my grand- grandfather's funeral, and uh, it's common in weddings. Well, it was read yesterday at my grandpa's funeral because he and my grandma had been married 57 years, and was talking about how they made such an impact in this world. And uh, far more of an impact than had they been alone and away from each other. They wouldn't have raised the family that they raised. They wouldn't have impacted their church the way that they did together. And it got me thinking about how this is so true about the church as well. If you're just a Lone Ranger Christian, you're going to make far less of an impact for the kingdom of God than when you link arms with Christ's bride, others together. So three reasons very quickly in this passage why community matters. Whether it be in general or in our financial giving, in all things, why it must be done communally. Why does community matter? First, success is multiplied in community. Success is multiplied in community. Let me read verse 9 for you again. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their toil. Do you see see there? They both work, and it's hard work, 
but you get a better reward when two are doing it together than if just one had to do the entire job themselves. Two are better than one because there's a good reward for the toil together. Did you know this about a horse? That an average horse, I don't know if it's a certain breed or not, I googled this, guys. An average horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Can you guess what two horses can pull? If you're quick on math, 16,000 pounds. No. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Two horses, 24,000 pounds. It doesn't just double the effectiveness. It multiplies Many times over the effectiveness of just having two. Don't you think that's just something that God planned out to make his point that community matters? The lesson here is that God's design is for community because there's power in community. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention believes in this and lives this out when it comes to giving towards missions. It's called the cooperative program. It's something that we give to as a church and all other Southern Baptist churches give to. It goes to one big pot for one great mission to have one big impact globally because we believe and what Ecclesiastes 4.9 says is that when multiple people come together, there's great reward for our toil Far more than if you and I just got off on our own little island and just gave to missions and didn't join with other churches to do it. And I think this is also a principle that should be lived out in our 24 hours of prayer. I just talked about that, right? I could just sit in this room and tell Sarah and Judah, I'll see you guys in 24 hours. I'm going to pray for this church for 24 hours. And that'd be good, right? That'd be good except for maybe not for Sarah, single parenting for 24 hours, but I could do it far better, right? Far better if we had all the voices of God's people joining in on it. Praying for the people you know specifically about what they're going through. Far more than maybe what I would know about what they're going through. And hearing your voice to God on their behalf far more impactful, I think, when the voices of God's people would be lifted up in prayer than just one voice of God, voiced up to God. So it's true with missions, it's true in prayer, and it's true with financial giving to our capital campaign. I mentioned this a few weeks back, but our victory goal is $275,000. If we can bring that in, approximately that number, $275,000, in this three-year campaign, we can start building. That's what we would need out of this campaign to make that happen. That's way too much money for one person, isn't it? It's impossible. But as a community, it's possible. Together, it's possible. Later in the service, we're going to talk a little bit, and we're going to actually announce to you at the very end of the service how far along we are with those who have already made a commitment. And that's going to be really exciting. We just can't do this alone, can we? Jesus knew the power of togetherness when it comes to witnessing as well, heralding the good news of the gospel. We see in Luke chapter 10, 
Luke 10, that this is a daunting task that can be very overwhelming. Jesus says, actually we read in verse 1, after this the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, do you think that's intentional? Two by two, not alone, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And it continues on in verse 2. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. But Jesus, we already have 72 people. Pray for more. Because the power of more is incredible. It multiplies more than just what the 72 can do. So he says, pray for more workers. By the end of the 72's ministry. They prayed, they worked together, they went out. When they came back to give a report, we read in verse 17 what takes place. It says that 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The power who we have as a church to herald the good news of the gospel when we do it together. John, uh, who was going to speak today, I think might have told an analogy he shared with me once. Of uh, He took his family to the symphony one time, and uh, they went there, and his, they were sitting there, they got there early, and they were waiting for it to start, and all the instruments were practicing. And, right, they're all, they're all tuning their own instruments, and they're... they're they're doing their own thing, making sure they're personally all ready. And one of the girls leaned over and said, Daddy, you, you paid for us to come to this? <laughs> and he said, just wait, just wait. And whenever it started, and, this, and they all started to play together in harmony, in unison, she knew exactly why he paid the money that he did to go watch it. Each individually playing their own tune, it sounded terrible. It was chaos. But when they came together, it was beautiful art. It's music. So the power of community, firstly, why community matters is because there is success. And success is multiplied in community. Secondly, setbacks are softened in community. Setbacks are softened in community. Not only is success multiplied, but setbacks are actually softened. Let me read Verses 9 and 10 again. And focus on verse 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil, right? Success is multiplied. Two are better than one for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Community is important because setbacks are softened in community. Ever experience a setback? You know what I'm talking about by setback? In health, a setback? In your relationship with somebody? In your workplace? Think about Judah. When he started to learn to walk, he, he fell, fell all the time. And he still does fall all the time. We, we, went to the, we, we went to the pediatrician to say, like, hey, is this normal? This kid falls, like, every five steps. He fell all the time. But I think the reality is, is, you run the risk of falling when you try to run, right? And you're going to fall. 
The reality is we are all susceptible to be victims of setbacks one time or another. We have setbacks in our walk with Jesus and our fight against sin, don't we all? It's just me. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We all have setbacks in our fight against sin. Every human on this planet is tempted by sin and the lusts of the flesh. And our church family, guys, hear this, our church family is not exempt from that. We are all flawed flawed, and we mess up. It's so important that when people in the family fall, we must have the initial response of restoration, not condemnation. Grabbing them by the arm and lifting them up. That is what community is for. We are all susceptible to falling, even morally, and we need community when we do. We can also have unforeseen setbacks in our finances. Anyone live through 2020? Yeah. Even when we're making a commitment to the building project, we can have unforeseen setbacks, not just morally, but financially, that we didn't plan for. So let me just say this, too, when it comes to the building project. Please hear this. As you commit to this project, as you prayerfully consider it as a family, None of us can know what the future holds, what the next three years hold. So this is not a contract that you'd be signing over to Emmanuel Baptist Church. This is not a debt that you owe to the church and you're in debt to the church until you get it all paid off. Hear me, that is not this. This is a commitment that you would be giving to, not Emmanuel, a commitment you're giving to God which then we trust that God will provide for us if he led us to that commitment. Right? That's what this is. It's just, God, I'm going to not just keep it up here, but I'm actually going to say it to myself, to my family, that I, 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 want, to, I want to give this to you. And if you provide it, it's going to be yours. Please provide it, God. But it's not a contract and it's not a debt to the church. If for some reason you simply can't pay whatever commitment you might prayerfully come up with, that's okay because you know what? Praise God that you're in community and not, on, not only one person has to give to this project. You're not alone in it. We are all giving towards it. If we were only relying on one person, that's risky. But thank God that our financial contribution to this is not just you. It's all of us. So, Three reasons why community matters. Firstly, success is multiplied when you're community. Secondly, setbacks are softened. They're felt less when you're in community. Lastly, community matters because the journey is bearable when you're in community. Let me read verses 11 and 12. These are the last two verses. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm? How can one keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withhold him, or withstand him, sorry. Think about my grandma. She just lost her, her husband last week and uh, talked to her on the phone when I was on a missions trip when it happened, and she was just crying. And she said, Isaac, I... I only know life with Lloyd. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
And she's thinking of all the practicalities of life that she's going to have to figure out by herself, right? She's so scared. She felt alone. That's why she was scared. You know what she needed in that moment? She needed a reminder that she's not alone in it. Yeah, you don't have grandpa, but grandma, you have so many people. So many people that are right there with you and they're not going to leave you to founder by yourself. And I think that's a reminder that all of us need to hear as well. Community matters because the journey is bearable when you're in community. Whatever you're doing, you won't make it to the finish line though without community. Please hear that. You have too much fighting against you to go at it alone. You have outside circumstances fighting against you, right? Verse 11. You're going to get cold by yourself. But if two die together, you can endure the outside circumstances that come against you. Don't go against the cold alone. Whatever that cold is, you know what I mean. Don't suffer through sickness alone. Don't be swamped in your bills without talking to somebody about it. Worst of all, don't fight your sins alone. Don't be out in the cold alone with no one to help you. The journey is bearable when you have others, even when the circumstances arise. But not only do you have circumstances that might be facing you, like the cold, but you have people with malicious intent against you. Other people will fight against you, and that's verse 12. Though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him point here is don't go at it alone because the journey is much more bearable when you go at it with people by your side. So there's my three reasons for community. Success is multiplied. The reward for our toil is great in community. Secondly, setbacks are softened in community. Thirdly, the journey is bearable in community. I can't, I can't forget the last part of verse 12. It's critical, right? It's the most important part. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let me say this before I close. If it's just us, church, without Christ, we're still not strong. We're still not strong. The third strand which winds us all together is our strength. If you don't know Jesus and you just have community, but community outside of his church, your community, hear me, it won't last. Your community, if it's not his church, won't last. Whether it be a bowling club or a biker gang, a knitting group or your bar buddies, video game friends or old classmates, even your own family, if you're not knit together, wound together with that third cord that is Jesus Christ. If he is what you have bonded with those people, if you don't have that, the community you have with him won't last. The only community lasting for eternity is the one bound by that third cord, Jesus Christ. If you need to hear more about that, please don't leave today without hearing more about that from me. I'd love to talk to you or pray with somebody about that. Invite the band to come up and I just want to Pray over us as we go into one last song.
Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com. 